and how great he is. Wow. Thinking about all the things that he's done. I mean, even in my short lifetime, all the things that he's done. But when we look at the, the scripture from the beginning of time, he, he was always great. He's always been great. He always will be great. And um, sometimes we get mired down in what's happening or not happening in, in, in the moment. And we've got to pull ourselves back and, and really think about how great our God is. So I welcome that reminder. Turn with me in your copy of God's Word. This morning we're going to be in Romans chapter 11. Romans 11, continue our series here. We'll be starting in verse 11. Um, and again, thank you all for asking. Uh, had a great time on, on vacation this past week. You know, being able to spend time with my wife, my first ministry, I'm her first ministry, and to be able just to, to, to spend time and do whatever is, is great and spend time with family, spend time with my kids. And it's just always nice to be able to, to sit with them and, and talk about life. It's, it's cool having adult kids because you have very different conversations. You talk about uh, the economy and politics and jobs and things of that nature. So very different types of conversations and not only talking about life, but um, sharing laughs. Um, I realize I don't laugh enough. And so uh, it's good to kind of get that out and to just be uh, overjoyed and, and, and just be with family in, in laughter and be able to share stories and all that stuff. And, and the older I get, I realize how important it is to be intentional about spending time with loved ones. Because, uh, I mean, that's, that's what's really important. You know, we got, we got a lot of distractions these days and you turn on the television and you take out your smartphone and on social media, whatever it is that you do, it's easy to be distracted where you're not truly present with the people that you're in front of. And I got to tell you that these moments, these times are fleeting and, and we might have become a time where we, we're going to say, I wish I spent more time. Nobody's going to say, I wish I spent more time at work or I wish I spent more time on TikTok. I, I wish I spent more time watching more movies. I, I don't hear that from people when I'm with them on their bedside when their last days are coming. And they talk about how the time was important and special when they got to, to spend that time with their families. You know, and, and as great as these times are, spending time with families, families are not perfect. Uh, families, uh, we have disputes. Sometimes, if you want to call it that, I heard a big hearty amen. <laughs> you know, sometimes I might say something wrong. I might do something wrong. I can, I've been known to snap sometimes when I just get outside of my head and I'm not thinking. Um, but my family still loves me anyhow, and I appreciate that. Um, and sometimes, even through that, I need, I need to be snapped out of it. You know, my family needs to come to me and, and snap me out of it and lovingly and carefully say, hey, um, hey, you need to correct this. And as hard as it might imagine, sometimes I'm wrong. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I mean, we family though, that's all right. But even through that, when I'm wrong, 
I need somebody to come and lovingly and carefully, graciously to tell me the truth. That's what families do. Families love each other enough. We love each other so much, or we should, that, that we would tell each other the truth. Now, we, we've talked a lot about um, sin and what that looks like and the law and things of the nature. And I've used the analogy of having food in your teeth. That's what love is, that you will pull somebody to the side and say, hey, brother, sister, you got some food in your teeth. I don't want you to go out looking crazy or you know what you got on today that really don't match. I'm trying to help you out here. Yeah. That's what families do. And it might be hard. It might be a struggle because we don't always want to hear the truth. We kind of want to go on our own way and, and make up our own things and do our own things and just disregard what is true. We know what's right and what's wrong. We just want to hide it to the side. And we do this all the time these days. But we need to love each other enough to tell each other the truth. As hard as that might be, that's what families do. It's like we discipline our children. We love our children enough to discipline them. Paul, when he goes through this letter to the Romans, he's, he's, he's talking to his kinsmen, the Israelites, and he loves them so much that he wants to tell them the truth. He goes through and tells them about who Jesus Christ is and how they have disregarded him, but still they need to know the truth. And even though he, he might be cast aside, they, they might not care about what it is that he has to say, he still feels it's important enough to go through and tell them what is the truth. Up to this point, Paul is, he's going hard on the Israelites. I mean, he's, he's, he's pulling out all stops. He's like, no, you're not hearing me. Let me explain it again. Let me explain it this way. Let me explain it this way. And he's going on so that they can hear it, but they still refuse to believe in Jesus for salvation. They figure, well, we're going to continue our own rituals. We're going to continue to do all these things. And we're going to do these things so that we can be saved instead of looking to the Savior. But if we take a step back and remind ourselves about how this all started, we remember back in Genesis, God chose Abraham and he promised Abraham that he would be a father of many nations. This is the very beginning. Then God worked through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel. And then what we saw is God's people thriving under King David and King Solomon and they were respected and feared. However, the Israelites ultimately continued to reject God. And it's because of their rejection, they suffered by the hands of the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, and the Romans. And they continued even to reject Jesus, the Messiah. Now, if anyone were to treat us this way, what would you do? somebody treated you this way, you would block them on social media, block their number on your phone, say, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Uh, maybe even write them out of your will. You're done. You got your chances. It's over. But God doesn't deal with people that way. 
And praise God for that. He has a completely different view. Look with me in Romans 11. And we'll start in verse 11. Romans 11, 11. Uh, It says, so I asked, did they stumble in order that they might fall? Paul was talking about the Israelites. He says, by no means. Rather, through their trespasses, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches to the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch then as I am an apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. For in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but the life from dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. We're going to pause there because. You know, earlier, if you remember, Paul talks about Jesus being a stumbling block for the unbelieving Jews. If you remember back in Romans 9 and 33, it says, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So Paul asks if they stumble so hard and so fast that they have fallen and they can't get up. Now, uh, I don't know if some, I'm dating myself. You remember this commercial where the life alert commercial, where the, the people fall and I fall and I can't get up. I mean, the, 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 probably the, the most terrible acting I've ever seen in my life. Just, just horrible. And it, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to laugh because I know people get in that situation. So I'm not laughing at the situation, but man, those commercials, I guess maybe they were terrible enough that it got people to, to really think and, and call up the life alert. But these people, uh, uh, after they had fallen, they needed help and they could push this button so that somebody can come and be able to help them and assist them out of the situation. My question is, has Israel fall so hard that they needed a life alert? Have they fallen so hard that there's no hope, that there's nothing that they can do, and, and, and are they just going to be down and out for the count? Indeed, all hope is not lost because of the God that we know and serve. God cares even for them. In fact, God planned on their rejection as a vehicle for delivering salvation to the Gentiles. God doesn't make any mistakes. He's not caught off guard. He's not caught by surprise, all these things that are happening and taking place. This was all according to his plan. And we see this play out in the book of Acts, Acts 13 and 44 through 48, where it says the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and then began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, and it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we're turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded, saying, I have made you a life for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth, 
And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. So when we look at this, when, when, we, when we anticipate Christ's return, we'll see a, a shift start to take place. There's the shift in the failure of the Israelites. Some of them will understand and they will come to belief and saving faith in Jesus Christ. Some of them will reverse what has happened and taken place. And instead of putting all these rituals in place, they will understand and get finally who Christ is and what he's done for them. And not only will it, will it lead for, to their salvation, but it will also lead to the riches of the world and life from death. In verse 14, Paul talks about some of the Jews and the Jewish people becoming jealous, jealous of God's love, jealous of his blessing, because now is being shown to others. When we talk about Jews, there's just Jews and, and we talk about Gentiles. Gentiles just uh, really means non-Jews. And so when, when the Israelites, the Jews see, well, God is blessing these other people and that's meant for us. We're God's chosen people. What's going on? And they start to get jealous. It's, it's kind of like, you know, when you have a kid and, and you're trying to give them a toy or give them some food and they just, they smack it out of their hand. They don't want anything to do with it. Like, but you like this toy. You like cars. You like dolls. And they don't want to have any parts of it until you give that, that toy to another kid. All of a sudden, wait a minute, that's mine, I want that. They get jealous. Like, no, that was meant for me. That's my toy, mine, mine, right? This is, this is what's happening to the Israelites. Wait a minute, you're our God, not, not their God. The blessing was meant for us, it wasn't meant for them. Then all of a sudden they wanna get involved. They, they want to... Uh, 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 make sure that they get in, in the path of it. So in some way, Paul hopes that the Jews will see that the Gentiles um, are having this blessing and they will realize their mistake and come to Jesus. That's what Paul is, is hoping for, that they, they will see how God is expanding his kingdom and blessing the Gentile world and they would want in on it too. Given all this, we still need to be careful and not become arrogant. Because in that moment, if you, again, the example of the children, right, is, is easy for the recipient to become arrogant. Like, well, you might've thought that was meant for you, but it's mine now. I, I'm the one, I'm the chosen one now. I'm the one in favor. And we gotta be careful not to do that. Look with me in verse 16. It says that the dough is offered at first fruits is holy so that the whole lump and if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it's, it's not you who are support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you'll say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. And that's true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. 
For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness of the severity of God, severity toward uh, those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you you, you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be broken off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in, for God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? This olive tree is a symbol of the, the nation of Israel and, and, and so is built up by the roots from the patriarchs of Adam or I'm sorry, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, and et cetera. And they're, they, they are all represented by the roots of this tree. And the Gentiles are grafted into that tree. Um, I, I suppose that you can do this with plants nowadays, or even back then where you just graft parts in. I, I, I had a, a, a flower that my grandmother gave me. Well, I don't know why she gave me a plant to, to begin with, but she gave me a, a plant and I put it in a tree and it was growing crooked because it wasn't facing the, the, the sun. And so I was trying to, I thought I could bend it back into place. I mean, I'm a, I'm a dude. I don't know what, how this works. And so I'm trying to bend it back in place. And you can guess what happened. Uh, sometimes I don't know my, my own strength and it didn't take very much in this, this case. And I broke it. And so I figured, well, um, it's, it's, it's a plant Surely it can fuse back together. So I got some good duct tape and put it back together and, and duct taped it around because I figured I could, I could graft it back in. It doesn't work quite that way. But God is able to, to take uh, the, the, the tree that he is, is built up and he, he breaks off and prunes the branches that are not good, and he it takes and puts and grafts on the branches that he sees fit to. And so these unbelieving Jews are the branches that are pruned off, and the Gentile believers are the ones that he has grafted in, and we're included in that, you and I, who believe in Christ, that we are grafted into this great olive tree that was started by our forefathers but we need to constantly remind ourselves that salvation is a gift. It wasn't up to you because if it were up to you, uh, you would have chosen to go astray. You would have chosen to do your own thing, but and you don't deserve or you can't earn any of this salvation. It's not up to you. So you have no grounds to be prideful in your standing before God because God did all the work. God is the one who called you, who drew you to himself. He's the one that, 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 that gave you the, hey, there's something else that's going on. There's something missing in my life. There's something more that I need. God did that for you. There's nothing special about us. I love you all, but I mean, you're special to me. But there's nothing special about us when we look at a, a, a gracious and holy God, a loving God. So we're grafted in because even though we're not special, God is. God is special and he loves us in a special way. And because of that, 
he has grafted us in. In verse 25, Paul mentions this, this mystery that is unfolding where God is doing something special with the Jewish people that will materialize over time. There are some who believe then and maybe a few more trickle in, but there will come a time where many more will believe. But in the meantime, the Lord continuously draws Gentile people to be part of his family and graft them into the tree of the people of God. Like I said, that includes both you and I. In verse 28, it says, as it regards to the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards to election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now you have received mercy because of their disobedience. So they too now uh, have been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. And so in this passage, Paul tells us how the Jews and the Gentiles will benefit from one another. So the Jews benefit because, hey, the Israelites didn't believe. And so Paul and through the, the, the inkling of the Holy Spirit and God is focusing on the Gentiles. And so when God shows mercy to one group, the other experiences uh, mercy and blessing as well. Remember back to Genesis, this might sound familiar when what God told Abraham in Genesis 12 and 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you in whom you, who dishonors you, I will curse and in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. This is what Paul is reminding us all throughout here. Above all this, God also gives grace to the disobedience. And again, praise him for that. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like that's all I got is disobedience. Uh, choosing my own way or uh, second guessing what, what I know God is calling me to do instead of, uh, and just want to do my own thing for whatever reason, whatever say. But despite that, he still has seen fit to love us. And I have to remember, you have to remember that his grace is sufficient. Our sins are many, but his mercy is more. That even even time it, it can often feel like I'm trying to up myself and, and sin that much more, and I get further and further. But still, His grace is surpassing even all those things. I, I can't I can't out sin God's grace and His mercy and His love. Now I can't pay the the debt that I'm accumulating through sin, but through Jesus Christ, all of it is still paid. He paid it all through his blood for each and every one of us. So here's what I want you to take away today. First, I want to remember, I want you to remember who you are. We talk a lot about identity today. There's a lot of talk about 
who we are and finding ourselves and things of that nature. But God is the one who determines who we are. The Jews thought they were something special because of their heritage and lineage. And you can kind of say that today. There's a lot of so-called Christians who walk around, think they're hot stuff because they, they their family lineage. Because I've always been in church. My family bought that pew. But that does not make them special. You're not saved or favored because of, of what you've done or, or where you come from or who you know. There's a lot of people that believe they're Christian because their family has grown up. My, my great auntie and my grandmother, they believed so fervently and they were in church every Sunday. But you not. They cannot believe for you. Their prayers are not going to get you admission into heaven. You've you got to come to him on your own. You are saved only by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. I love you enough to tell you that. There's a lot of so-called preachers and these churches out here today that they, they want to shy away from telling you that Jesus is the only way. But that's what the scripture says. That's how God has revealed himself to us. I would be unloving not to tell you that truth. But you family, that's how much I love you. That Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And the, the world will tell you, well, that's just another name for Allah and Buddha. And that's not what the book says. I saw some Jehovah's Witnesses uh, yesterday in front of my house. I'm like, yes, Jehovah's Witnesses. I get to have a conversation. And they skipped my house. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm on somebody's list because I was waiting to have a nice, juicy conversation. Not that I'm going to beat them over the head with Scripture. Not that I'm going to win them over and force them into the kingdom but I, I, just to show them to take their book and, and, and to take uh, the, the traditional book and show, hey, there's some differences here. Who you say Jesus is, is not exactly who Jesus said he was. And have a conversation about that. And we really got to take the, the facts, the truth, the understanding and weigh those things. There's no Muslim who's going to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, but that's what the book says. So it can't be the same person. We're not talking about the same Jesus at the end of the day, but that's what, where we have to land when we talk about truth. So I want to remember who you are. And you are who God has said that you are. You were made in his image. And I also want you to remember whose you are. I want you to remember who you belong to. Uh, some people stiffened up a little bit. What you talking about? I, I belong to myself. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I do my own thing. You got to twist it. You see, either you're a slave to sin or you're a slave to the Savior. You, you don't like that word. But that's truly how it happens. Either, either we're, we're going through and continuously sinning 
and, and uh, ascend to the things that, that, that call us and propel us that lead to darkness, or we're sent to, uh, we're slave to a loving Savior who called us and has our good in mind so that he would get the glory. This is binary. There's zero and one is true or false, evil or good. Galatians 2 and 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. It says, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God whom loved me and gave himself for me. This is the view, this is the idea that all of us should have. That when you come to Christ, it's no longer you. I love how Paul even talks about uh, taking off the old man and putting the new on. Like you're putting on, taking off an old, dirty, wretched, nasty, whole filled suit. And you put on something that is pristine. That, that fits you like a glove. That is spotless and free from wrinkle. This is how our life in Christ is and how it looks. But we need to submit our life to Christ. And when we do, when you do, then you're grafted in. You're grafted into this tree that God has prepared for you. You're adopted into his family. With all the things that come with being family, you're heir to his kingdom. You have that right now, today, if you choose. You just have to choose him and submit your life to him. And some people will say, well, you know, if I choose to be a Christian, then that means I got to stop doing all the stuff that I love and enjoy. But the funny thing about that is um, you, you may not love and enjoy it as much as you think. When, when, I've dieted before, and I'm sure some of you have. And if you, you eat good food long enough, your tastes start to change. There was one time I didn't, I didn't like Brussels sprouts. But after eating them, and well, you got to season them pretty good too. Once you prepare them good enough, your tastes start to change. <laughs> The things that you used to enjoy, all of a sudden you don't enjoy anymore. I know that's my testimony. When I found Christ and when I submitted my life to him, the stuff that I used to, to do and I used to enjoy, I just didn't want to do that stuff anymore. And it wasn't like I missed it, but God had filled me with so many other good things that brought me joy and happiness that it didn't matter anymore. My definition of joy and happiness changed because God changed me. He transformed me. And I know that's a testimony of some of you here today. I, I knew some of you before. I've heard some of your stories that God has transformed you too. And if you're here today and you have this question about what, what does that look like for me? Tell me more about this Jesus fellow and what he's done, what you claim he's done, and show me. That's what I'm here for. 
I'm here to walk you through that process, what it looks like to submit your life to him and live for him. And, and, and the greatest part about it is God has put people in this local body to walk with you as well. This is no Lone Ranger Christianity where you got to figure out and grow it through yourself. We're all here for one another to support you, to encourage you, to love on you, even when you fall. That when you stumble and you fall, you don't need life alert. That your brothers and sisters are here to help pick you up, be praying for you, love on you, and take the next step with you. So if you have questions about that, come see me um, after service and I'd love to have that conversation with you. Or maybe you're here and you, you just... Things haven't been working out and you've gone a little sideways. Today is the time to be intentional about, I'm going to give my life back straight. I'm going to focus my uh, heart and attention on God and who he is and what he wants for me in my life. I'm going to spend time with him in prayer. I'm going to spend time with him in the scripture so that I can get to know him personally. We're here to help with you with that as well. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you just for relentlessly pursuing us. It's so easy for us to get in our own way. There's so many distractions above and beyond that. But Father, you have continuously made your presence known, and I thank you and love you for that. And that even though some of us might believe, well, I'll come to God when I get my stuff together and I get good that you continuously show us that's not how it works, that you are the one that does the tra changing and the transforming. You're the one who does the cleaning up and to pick us up and put us back on the right path. Thank you for that because there is no way we will ever be good enough to earn the salvation that you freely give. Father, if there's anybody here in the sound of my voice here today that... Um, is challenged by this message that that you will continually be on their mind, that you will put people around them that will help to encourage them, be able to speak life into them, and love them enough to tell the truth. Father, we thank you so much for all the things that you've done for your people here in our local body, the things that you have yet to do. We trust in you. That we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.